Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode and catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Think we gonna lose? Well, I can't believe your doubters had the whole crowd screaming out. We want What a great song. I don't care what anybody got to say about this song. This joke goes hard. 301-230-0980. Burgundy and Gold today, the new midday show here in town. I'm taking you up to 3 o'clock before we pass the rock to the Hoffman show. The discussion right now is centered around what Ron Rivera said yesterday at the podium when he basically said quarterback is the biggest difference between the Giants' rebuild, the Eagles' rebuild, and Washington's rebuild. I want to hear from you guys. What, in your opinion, is the biggest difference in these three rebuilds? 301-230-0980. Let's go to McKinney, who is in D.C. McKinney, what do you think, buddy? I'm McKinney. He's dropped. Let's go to James, who's in West Virginia, wants to tap in. What's going on, buddy? Well, the coach-centric approach, that's the difference between mm. Washington Commanders Eagles and the Giants. They got a GM that picked their coach. Mm-hmm. You got a coach that controls everything. That's the biggest difference. If you go back from the time he got hired, yep. William Jackson ain't working out. <laughs> Kendall Fuller's not working out. I mean, we can go on and on. We can go on and on. I mean, what's the excuse? Look at look at how they are constructed in the front office. And look at how we are we are constructed in the front office. I completely agree with you. Yeah, that's all I got to say. Yeah, I appreciate it. If, if somebody I, I, tell me I'm wrong. No, I appreciate the I'm call, wrong. my man. Look, if they're tell, if, if James is wrong, then I'm wrong. So if you disagree with anything that I've said or what James just said, please let me know. Please let me know because he hit it right on the head and really got down to the specifics. It's not just about Ron Rivera. It's about the coach-centric approach. That doesn't exist in Philadelphia with the Eagles because guess what? Howie Roseman has established himself as one of the best executives in the damn sport. Look at what they did this offseason. Look at the talent that they acquired this offseason. Look at how they helped their young quarterback this offseason and last. So don't tell me, so don't tell me the biggest difference is quarterback because I already shut, shut down that notion with the Giants. Carson Wentz is better than Daniel Jones, point blank period. But you know what else is the big difference between Washington and the Giants? Guess what? The Giants have an identity offensively. They know and understand that their offense goes through number 26, Saquon Barkley. They know and understand that in order to beat teams, they must have balance. And they must find different ways 
to get their best players the football. And I think that's something that also hasn't happened enough here in Washington. I want to hear from you guys, though. 301-230-0980. What's the biggest difference, in your opinion, between the Giants' rebuild, Phillies' rebuild, and the rebuild that's going on here in Washington? Let's go to Steve, who's in Columbia and wants to tap in. What's going on, Steve? Hey, Lenell, how you doing? Hey, look, man, it's, it's obvious. It, it's, it's ownership, and our owner's decision to try to act like he's a football guy, he needs a GM, that the GM choose the coach and, the, and then go from there. This kind of, as you said, coach-centric approach with someone like Ron Rivera and his track record, he's never had an opportunity to be a GM, and he's failing at it. And then I, I just don't get it. The play call, all that stuff that you say, it seems like it's by a committee approach, and it's quite obvious we have no identity. But the bottom line is stop, starts with Snyder. He, he's got to go, man. That's it. He, he's destroying this whole fan base, man. Steve, I appreciate your call, my man. Look, I, I don't want to make it all about Daniel Snyder, but when, when, when Steve makes that point, you have to make it about Daniel Snyder because that's really the root cause, right? Because I've said before, He's been the owner of this team since 99. This is the first time he's went with this coach-centric approach, which I don't have a problem with unless unless you choose the wrong guy for it. And clearly, Ron Rivera is not the right guy for a coach-centric approach. He's proved it over and over again. You know what my biggest red flag and flaw was with Ron Rivera with this coach-centric approach and when I lost complete faith? You want to know when I lost faith? As soon as he was hired, because guess what? You benched Dwayne Haskins before the bye week in your first year. You benched Dwayne Haskins before the bye week in his first year, meaning you weren't too fond of the kid anyway. If you're going to be the guy that wears all the hats, what'd they say on my block? Stand on something. Because if you don't stand for something, you'll fall for everything. Stand, if, if you didn't want Dwayne, stand on that. Stand on that. So then the very next offseason should have been spent trying to address the quarterback position. What team in football do you know that's had long-term sustained success that hasn't addressed the most important position in the sport? That's where Ron Rivera has failed the most, in my opinion, as the decision maker, the decider. As Scott Jackson likes to say, that's where he is flawed the most. Because I don't know any GM in the sport, any guy who picks personnel in the sport that wants to go down without their guy at the quarterback position. Why would you want to do that? Why would you want to hit your wagon to somebody you don't believe in? It doesn't make sense. Go to my man Pick, who's in Texas. In your opinion, what's the biggest difference between the Giants' rebuild, Philadelphia's rebuild, and Washington's rebuild? Hey, Nell, let's look where it all starts and ends. The offensive line. First, the for any play to be successful, you have to be able to snap the ball. The quarterback center exchange. Right. How many teams in our division have lost, have lost snaps, you know, at the beginning of a play, that puts you in a negative position from the beginning, right? And then let's talk about something that everyone has talked about. Our offensive line has left the building. The best left tackle in all of football mm-hmm. is playing in San Francisco. The nastiest guard in all of football 
is playing in Jacksonville. And Aaron Flowers is sitting on the couch. Now, you can have three out of your five be really good, and that'll make up for the other two. But you cannot have two out of five be your best players and your offensive line succeed. I don't care who you are. No quarterback can survive a terrible offensive line. You can have Joe Namath, Joe Montana, Joe Theismann, any other Joe that you want to play quarterback behind a terrible offensive line, and they are not going to succeed. It starts up front, like Fred Smooth has said, like Doc Walker has said, like Brian Mitchell has said, the offensive line is what sets the tone and what tone are we setting. Can I ask you one question? Can I can I ask you one question? I'll let you go after the question. You do you you are are you of the belief? Because I this this is where I stand with it. Because I agree with you. The offensive line is this biggest team's is this team's biggest issue offensively. But we all know who chose the offensive line. Ron Rivera. Look, I, I said I said Carson Wentz was sold a bill of goods. That, that, that he didn't promise. He told him he would have a better offensive line than he had in Indianapolis. He lied. I think he needs to walk into the I think he needs to walk into the office and smack Ron Rivera right in the face and say you lied to me. <laughs> because as soon as you signed me, you let my guard go. The and, first and, order and, of business. And, and the left side of the, the left side of our line was was nasty. We used to run behind Flowers and, Lim- and Leno yes. Jr. We we ran beside that was the that so was the sad, attitude bro. side of the line. Come on, man. He sold that man a bill of goods that he does not have. Hey, Pick, I he appreciate the call, man. We, we, we're running behind here. Got to get David Harrison on the line here of the Locked On Commanders podcast. That's about it. About 115, 116. I want to run through the rest of these calls, though. CJ in D.C., who do you think, or why do you think, excuse me, the Giants and the Eagles have had more success with their rebuild? Got to be quick here. I mean, everybody's hit it on those. It's the damn structure. You have it every at every level of the organization. You got the smartest man in the room. Ron Rivera, no accountability. Scott Turner, no accountability. John, Jack Del Rio, no accountability. You have Dan Snyder at the top that doesn't know a damn thing about football. But all of these guys are responsible for making your football decisions. I've watched Carson Wentz play for years, better for worse. I have yet to see him in Washington one time to have the ability just to just to blatantly check out of a play. Against Dallas, we want to run inside run. They bring in two A-got blisses, but this guy that's been in the league doesn't have the ability to check out of the damn play. Yeah, I appreciate the call, my man. Look, we got to run here. I appreciate you all tapping in. If you want to answer the question, you can hit me up on Twitter, N-E-L-L underscore BTP. Coming up next, David Harrison, co-host of the Locked On Commanders podcast, is set to join us. I'll ask him the exact same question, which really has been the question of the day. What is the biggest difference between the Giants' rebuild the Eagles rebuild and the rebuild here in Washington. We'll ask David Harrison next. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the Launch Your Online Shop stage 
to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did-we-just-hit-a-million-orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odysseypod Podcast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash odyssey podcast. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Team 980 and always streaming live nationally on the free Odyssey app. Well, Willingham taking you up to 3 o'clock here on the Burgundy in Gold today. The conversation, or the topic, excuse me, that's dominated the conversation I hear this afternoon is Ron Rivera's comments yesterday about starting quarterback Carson Wentz. Joining us right now on the Team 980 guest hotline to discuss that is the co-host of the Locked On Commanders podcast. He's also the host of of the Locked On Bucks podcast, my man David Harrison. You can follow him on Twitter at dharrison82. David, whirlwind of a week. How have you taken everything? Um, yeah, it, it's been really interesting, and you know, it, it would come on a short week as well. So right. you're, you're cramming in all the game. You got game reaction overlapping with game preparation, and then you know you got the William Jackson thing that's really kind of getting buried in this whole thing. Right <laughs> on top of what Ron said, it's just yeah, it's just you know, it's it's a typical day you know in the commander's neighborhood there's just a lot going on and then you got to find time to get to all of it <laughs> David I'll, I'll start here with you man obviously we all have heard uh, Ron Rivera's comments yesterday and, and I'm not right. I'm not asking you about this to to ask your reaction about him slamming Carson Wentz or throwing him under the bus because I don't think that was his true intention I think he misspoke right because there's a lot of pressure on him right now and this is what happens when you don't produce <laughs> and David it's crazy right. I said this last week I dubbed the Dallas game a must-win, right? They go out and lose, obviously. So I said, okay, this Sunday in Tennessee or against Tennessee was a win or else. Now, clearly, we're seeing the or else. Now things are starting to get messy I hear in Washington. But, David, I wanted to ask you this. The the preface uh, of the question was, what's the biggest difference between the Giants' rebuild, the Eagles' rebuild, and the rebuild here in Washington? What do you say to that? How do you answer that? Um, Well, so my answer to that really – and this this stems from so this is uh, my thoughts kind of in 
in development, right? And and this really goes back to last year with Taylor Heineke. And what I've seen, uh, you know, throughout the last two seasons really is an offensive coordinator in Scott Turner who is either incapable or unwilling to bend his scheme and his, you know, method of, of, of executing an offense uh, around what his quarterback and his offense is really allowing him to do. Now, I had hoped uh, that this season, you know, we were seeing a little bit different, you know, during training camp, we were seeing some, some looks that we really hadn't seen uh, last year. And, and a lot of that can be attributed to the arrival of Curtis Samuel or the, the reemergence of Curtis Samuel as being healthy. And then even the selection of Jahan Dodson uh, who, and what he brings uh, to the offense. But, you know, once and then you get into week one and you see some of those things, right? And Scott Turner even said this himself after the win over the Jacksonville Jaguars is that these are things that they've really been doing or trying to institute for a while now. We're just now first noticing them. Well, I would argue that we're noticing them for the first time <laughs> because it's the first time they've really been able to execute them. Right. And the, the fun thing about it is it really worked well against the Jacksonville Jaguars. The unfun thing about it is, well, the Detroit Lions and, you know, every team since then has now had the film to see what it is you unveiled in week one. And so now they come in and now they can counter what you're trying to do. And I think that's where some of these problems, and it's not just that alone, but I think when you look at the difference between the NFC East and, and, and the, other, the other teams and this team, what you see is coordinators and coaches who are winning largely in spite of their quarterbacks mm-hmm. instead of because of their quarterbacks. Outside of Jalen Hurts and the Philadelphia Eagles, you know, Daniel Jones, um, again, shout out to, to, to Resh from, from, uh, from our Tegna family there. Like he, he pointed out on Twitter yesterday, Daniel Jones hasn't thrown a touchdown pass in three games. Cooper Rush only completed 10 passes against yeah. the Los Angeles Rams. The Cowboys and Giants aren't winning because of their quarterbacks. They're winning in spite of them, and they're winning because their coaches are bending their attack to what their team does well versus their opponents. So I want to talk more about the offensive scheme and philosophy, David, because clearly yeah. there's a conflict of interest right now. So obviously – Let's just go back to what they've told us, right? And, and this is where, where I think all their problems stem from, David. If, if I asked you this simple question, would you be able to answer it? What is Washington's offensive identity? Uh, the offensive identity is uh, crowded, is, is the <laughs> best way I can probably put it. Because what I see is, and, and again, and, and listen, I don't, I don't mean to harp overly on Scott Turner. There are some other issues with this offense. The offensive right. line is obviously... Uh, an issue in some of the rotation and, and, you know, every week another guy or a different guy has a really bad game. I think Andrew Norwell was his turn this last weekend. We'll see what happens on Thursday. Uh, Carson Wentz is, is sticking on his first read too long a lot. Like there are other issues, but I think that they all kind of circle back to uh, Scott Turner being unwilling or unable to open things up to, uh, to make his offense more comfortable in what they're trying to do. So the way I look at it is kind of Scott Turner's constructed this structure of an offense, right? And what he's telling his players is, take your strengths and put them into my offense. And they're all trying to basically comfortably fit inside of this, these boundaries that Scott Turner has, has, has developed for them. And they're fighting their natural instincts in other areas in order to try to do that. So they're, so they're very uncomfortable, and that's why I kind of come up with the term uh, very crowded. That's just, that's just kind of how I feel everything looks. And when you watch the offense on the field, they all look – a little bit out of sync, uncomfortable, especially Carson. I feel like Carson yeah. is very uncomfortable with what he is trying to execute, what he's trying to do, and fighting a lot of natural instincts that come to him as a quarterback as far as extending plays and, and getting out of the pocket and doing things because he's trying to execute what he's being coached to execute. 
Joining us right now on the Team 980 Guest Hotline is the co-host of the Locked On Commanders podcast and the host of the Locked On Bucks podcast, David Harrison. Make sure you give him a follow on Twitter at DHarrison82. I want to talk more about the offensive line here, David, because as you mentioned, mm-hmm. Andrew Norwell had a tough weekend uh, this past weekend at home against the Tennessee Titans, and I'd even go as far as to say he's had a tough year, <laughs> even dating right. back to the Jacksonville game. The question I have for you is, what have you made of Ron Rivera's – I don't even know if this is a Ron Rivera decision, but I'm assuming it is because he's the decider. What do you make of his reluctancy to make personnel changes up front along the offensive line? Because I've come from the school of thought of, well, if you're not going to do what I'm asking you to do and you're not going to perform, this is why we have created a 53-man roster. Clearly, they right. their patience wore thin with Trey Turner – who, and I haven't even got the chance to talk to you about this off the record. I was super surprised that he was the starter week one against Jacksonville because, as you know, he didn't practice during training camp. So right. they handed him the keys to the job. He gave it up after two weeks. And clearly that right side has gotten better with Sadiq Charles there. He's not flawless by any stretch of the imagination himself. But on the right. left side, Andrew Norwell has continued to struggle. And Ron Rivera has not made a personnel change there. What do you make of that? Yeah, I think, you know, it, it, it's twofold, right? So when when you look at personnel decisions, like three years in, to me it's too late, not not from like an opportunity to right the ship or to save yourself or whatever, but I think three years in we've been hearing about, you know, guys not fulfilling their responsibilities, not playing the right, you know, playing, playing the right play and then playing within themselves in the scheme and all this other stuff. We've been hearing that for three years now. If guys are not going to go out there – and at least attempt to execute what they're being coached to execute to the fullest extent possible, then there need to be ramifications. Because if there's not ramifications, there's no reason. You know, you, you want everybody to be a self-starter and everybody to have pride in what they're putting on film and, and all these things. But the bottom line truth is that these are human beings. Like, everybody's a human being. Like, mm-hmm. NFL players are not this, you know, transcendent breed of human that just naturally have more drive than every other human. on there are, there are lazy guys in, in locker rooms, there are motivated guys in locker rooms, there are selfish, there are unselfish, like they're human beings. So if you have a guy out there, and I'm not saying this is Norwell or even Trey Turner specifically, but just in general, if you have a guy out there who is not willing to do what's best for the team and is looking out for themselves or is just not physically capable of executing three years in to start pulling players off the field, that does send a message, but it's a little late at this stage in the game to start sending that message. And, and, you, yeah. and for me, I look at William Jackson more than anything. That sends, to me, that sends a bigger message. And I don't know if, you know, the issue with William Jackson has been an unwillingness to do what Jack Del Rio is asking him to do or an inability. But whatever it is, one way or another, the job is not getting done. So if you're not going to do the job, we're going to give another guy the opportunity to go do the job. That's what needs to happen in a performance-based profession which this is what we're dealing with as a performance-based profession if you're not performing we need to give somebody else a chance to perform now the problem you have is there are some roster limitations and you can't just completely cycle through you know uh you you pull william jackson and his replacement doesn't perform eventually you're just going to run out of guys to plug into that spot so eventually you kind of run into a, a roadblock where you just are where you are but there still has to be a line of of consequence where if we don't get this right and don't get this done actions have to happen and have to be made um, in order to help get everybody else the understanding that you either do your job or someone else is going to do it for you. Yeah, and I completely I love what you said. To try to set that standard and precedent in year three, it's kind of yeah. too late. And it, and it goes back to last year with the Landon Collins situation and his unwillingness yeah. to do what they asked him to do. 
I mean, you are in control of everything. That is a poor reflection on your leadership. And it, it all it's, it's funny to me because everything he preaches is about culture. That is a cultural expectation that you have the opportunity to set right away that, hey, look, it's my way or the highway. And really in the National Football League, you're dealing with grown men. So sometimes that message is hard to get across. But at the end of the day, like you said, it is a results and performance-based business and the guys out there right now, for the most part, aren't cutting it. Yeah, then I mean, you know, at the end of the day, when Ron is the, the head coach, you know, as the head coach, you're responsible for everything your coaches and your coordinators are doing. So right. if your coordinators are flawed, you are flawed. You allow them to continue to be flawed. And as the personnel move, you know, decider and, and, and all those things, Ron is now, you know, if you have a player on the roster, you know, again, you go back to uh, the, the release of Eric Flowers and the, and the addition of, of Andrew Norwell, you are responsible for what happens after that and, and moving forward and, and Brandon Scherf and all that. Like you're responsible for these things. So again, you know, if, if do you if think that's having an impact? To, do, do you think, do you think that's having an impact on, on, on his reluctancy to pull him because he doesn't want to look as if he's wrong? Uh, I do think there's a little bit of decision-making that's being made with what is the public perception going to be in mind. I do that. I, I do honestly believe that. And, and, you know, that's not a conversation I've been able to have inside the building or anything like that, but that just, just the outward appearance, yeah. uh, having a background in organizational leadership, it just looks to me like uh, a system and organization that is very much making decisions kind of based off of what the perception uh, is going to be. And then not wanting to really offer a lot of information uh, to help influence the perception, you know, when, when, and talk about the, the Wayne Jack situation, even the Carson Wentz situation. Like, if you if you give half information, then those out here who are who are who, who are you know tasked with uh, delivering information and, and observations, and I mean the people in the media, mm-hmm. if you're only giving us half the information, well then we have to basically piece together the other half from our own observations, experiences, and insight. So then, you know, if you if you only want to give half the information and then you don't like what the other half is being put together as it's hard for, for anybody to really look at you when you complain about what that other half is being put together as when you are not influencing that other half, if that all makes sense. Yeah, David, I uh, I completely agree with everything you said. Obviously, let's fast forward to Chicago. Big-time game on Thursday night. Yeah. From a health standpoint, Washington looks as if they're going to be missing Jahan Dotson for the second straight game. He's dealing with a hamstring injury. Uh, Sam Cosme obviously is out at the right tackle spot, even though his replacement Cornelius Lucas I thought did a you know commendable job uh, on mm-hmm. on Sunday. Do you think the injury situation is a legitimate excuse here for for the shortcomings here of this football team thus far uh, through the first five weeks? Uh, an excuse? No, I mean you know injuries are never an excuse because every team has to deal with right. them. So unless you're dealing with something that's just completely out of the ordinary, uh, it's hard to really excuse anything per se. But, you know, is it a factor? Obviously, it's a factor. That being said, this is still a game that this yeah. roster, the, the roster that's available should still be able to win. And, and yeah, you know, the Chicago Bears get paid as well. And, and look, you know, we've had this conversation. I've had said this on my show and on, you know, several other shows. Like, it takes a lot of athletic talent to be bad in the National Football League. So even if you're <laughs> a bad NFL player, you're right. still a very talented athlete. So the Bears have, have guys, you know, on, on their side of the field as well. That are, that are going to go out there and do a job. But when you look at, you know, side-by-side comparisons, this roster is better than the Chicago Bears roster. I don't, I don't you know, I think anybody having an honest conversation is going to say the same. Um, so this is another game that you can say the commanders yeah. should win. They should be able to win. 
um, as long as they go out there and do the right things from a, from a play calling, from a schematic, and from an execution standpoint, all, all of those things coming together. Will they actually put it together? That's the big question. And, you know, we talk about must wins and, and all that stuff. I, you know, I think as a, from, a, from a season success standpoint, it's a must win. You have to win this game in order for your postseason aspirations to have any sign of life. But from a staff standpoint and an and a, and a environmental standpoint, from the way your team is perceived, you must win this game. Like, you have to have this game. If you lose this game, I mean, I don't even want to look into the future of what happens, you I mean, know, it, just in the media landscape, in the fan landscape, if this team loses to the Bears. I said it to start the show. If you lose against Chicago, I mean, you're going nowhere very, very fast. And right. it raises – it's so interesting. Like, the temperament that he's had with the media has been so baffling, in my opinion – because it's not like anyone's being disrespectful in the questions that they're asking. They're just asking real legitimate questions. And if you have a problem answering things after a loss that drops you to one and four, what happens if you lose in Chicago? Like, what's the tone and demeanor going to be then? I just think he's walking a very fine line. Because as you know, David, I know you're, you're kind of new to the beat, but I'm familiar with the way the media market works around here. When you're winning, yeah. they love you. But when you're losing, they want to find out why you're losing. So I think Ron Rivera just... The sooner he gets comfortable with that, I think the better uh, things are going to be. But, David, I'll, I'll go out on a limb and say this. I don't, I don't think he's going to have the opportunity to deal with this too much longer because if I know what I know and seeing that Daniel Snyder is now resurfacing at football games, he's very yeah. aware of this team's record. And if they lose in Chicago, you have a 10-day break before you have to play again. I expect sweeping changes uh, during that time period if they have to lose. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, that's that's a whole other uh, a whole, whole other other yard that has right. multiple possible futures to it. Um, I, I will just say that, like, I get the frustration, you know what I mean, and, and I get that that Ron is frustrated, and you know, I'm sure the players are frustrated. Like, again, they they see, I mean, they see even more than we see that this this is not an, uh, a roster devoid of talent and ability. This team should, and we had this conversation last year. This yeah. team uh, should, you know, this record could be flipped uh, very, very, very easily. Um, if, if a few things go differently, um, I would say this though, that as far as, you know, asking the tough questions and everything, um, nobody in, in, in that room, right. Nobody that's, that's a day to day, you know, media presence at, you know, the commander's facility at the mm-hmm. games, all this stuff is rooting for this team to lose. Like nobody wants to have to go in there and have a conversation about another loss. Nobody wants to go in there and talk about turnovers and no takeaways and all this stuff. Everybody in there to, to an extent where you're not a fan, but wants to talk about winning football, wants to talk about how great the play was and wants to really go celebrate De'Ami Brown having a career day, you know, in, in week five. That's what everybody in there wants to do. Like, and I know Nikki Javala put this out on Twitter because there were some things going on about, you know, uh, certain media members like wanting the negative and, and making their hay off of the criticism. This isn't, uh, I can just tell you from being in that room, that is not what anybody is there to do that I'm witnessing when the mics are off, when the mics are on, when the cameras are off, when the cameras are on, everybody in there is wanting to figure out why this isn't going well and get insight from the inside on why it's not going well from their perspective and deliver that message to the fans who are invested in this brand and, and, and what they're trying to do. That is the purpose of the media. That's what they're trying to do. Exactly. And again, the, the, it's hard to be completely transparent when you have things going wrong because you do, you run the risk of throwing guys under the bus, quote unquote, and, and doing all this other stuff. But at the same time, the less that the people telling the stories are given, the more they have to kind of glean off of what they're observing. And the more observing has to be done to, to deliver the message, the more miscommunication is possible. 
David, I appreciate your time, my man. Hopefully uh, the next time we talk, this football team has turned things around, but I just have this eerie feeling that it, it's just not going to go in the right direction. But the fan in me, David, says I'm rooting for a win on Thursday in Chicago. Yeah, and we're hoping every fan out there gets to see one. That's, that's uh, you know At the end of the day, that's what we all want to talk about is winning football. Appreciate you joining me, my man. Good talking to you, you as always. Yes, sir. That's our man David Harrison, co-host of the Locked On Commanders podcast. He's also the host of the Locked On Bucks podcast. Make sure you give him a follow on Twitter at DHarrison82. Plenty to unpack uh, from what David just said. We'll do that on the other side of this break. Don't go anywhere. This is the Team 980. I want to give another big thanks to David Harrison, co-host of the Locked On Commanders podcast, for giving us some time. I want to unpack a little bit of what he said because it's it's interesting. It really is. It's a multi-layered situation here when you're talking about why this Washington Commanders team is sitting where they're sitting at right now. One and four, smacking the smacking the thick of a four-game losing streak. I mean, at some point, though, like I expressed to David there, at some point, Someone has to be held accountable for what's happening. And David Harrison made a brilliant and astute point of, man, when you get to year three and that's when you want to start holding guys accountable, I mean, at some point, at some point, like, the message becomes stale. At some point, the message becomes unauthentic and not believable. Because last year, we sat there and watched Landon Collins Basically tell them what and what he wasn't going to do. So when you have that and that's happening and you're a player and you see that in the locker room, I mean, how do you respect anything that the man says? I've been on bad football teams before at the collegiate level. I've been on one in nine, two and eight football teams at the collegiate level. When the message becomes stale and when you're not holding guys accountable, the players in the locker room, whether they vocally express it or not, are very much aware of what's going on. And that's where I think Ron Rivera has missed the boat, so to speak. That's where I think Ron Rivera is not in tune with what it takes to be a head coach in this league. And it's so interesting because we've seen Ron Rivera be a disciplinarian. Go back to Carolina. When Cam Newton didn't wear a suit to the game, he benched him for the entire first quarter. Do you guys remember that? He benched him for the entirety of the first quarter in Carolina for not adhering to the team's dress code. But you couldn't bench William Jackson for being one of the worst corners in the sport? You were hesitant to bench Trey Turner for being an awful right guard? You were hesitant to bench Andrew Norwell for being an incompetent left guard? Give me a break. Nothing makes sense that this guy does. Nothing. Nothing. And until he does something that makes sense, I'm going to stick to my guns here and say, look, I don't think he's the right man for the job. I don't. I really don't. And I have a mountain of evidence to back up why I don't feel like he's the guy for the job. I mean, 
I'm at a loss for words almost when discussing it because it's so infuriating. This is the team that I love. This is the team that I root for. I mean, it's been 30-plus years of ineptitude. And the one time Daniel Snyder decides to give someone full reign, full control, and decides not to meddle, the guy that he gives the autonomy to is not good at the job. Very proud of myself there. I almost called him a name. He's just not good at the job. And it's never personal with me. It isn't. It isn't. But it becomes personal when your tone and demeanor becomes disrespectful. And that's where I think we're at. Ron Rivera has gotten very disrespectful with the way that he's handled the media here. The tone and demeanor he's using when talking to guys like Scott Abraham from ABC7. This even goes back to last year when he decided to start yelling at the reporters for asking about Curtis Samuel and if surgery was needed for his groin. Look how that turned out. This is why I've been frustrated. Every time you turn around, he's contradicting himself. Might as well change the team name to the Washington Contradictions, if that's going to be the case. I mean, it's been laughable. It really has. It really has. And the beautiful thing about it is, guys, he had to take the podium again today. We'll play that for you at some point during the 2 o'clock hour. When we come back, your favorite Tuesday staple. We had Monday Night Football last night. The week has concluded. After this break, it's time for Nell's Super Six Pack, my top six teams across the National Football League. Don't go anywhere. This is the Team 980. There you go, Matty Ice. Give me some crank coming back for break, man. Team 980 and always streaming live nationally on the free Odyssey app. It's been a jam-packed show thus far, man. Getting a lot of things off our chest here and really just trying to get to the bottom of Ron Rivera's comments that he made yesterday. Luckily for us, Ron Rivera was at the podium. He currently is at the podium. We'll play that for you in the 2 o'clock hour. I'm sure it's going to be must appointment radio, as they like to call it, right? That's what the legends say, appointment radio. I'm sure it will be. I'll make sure you're tuned in for the entirety of the remainder of this show, and we'll play Ron Rivera's comments from today. This is the final time he gets to talk before Armageddon. <laughs> and I say Armageddon because me, me and the DOC, Rick Doc Walker, man, that, that is what we have. That is we have that's what we've dubbed Thursday Night Football, man. It's going to be Armageddon. You're going to find out everything that this team is made of. You're going to find out Thursday night. I cannot wait. Right now, though, like we do each and every Tuesday here on the Burgundy and Gold, today it's time for Nell's Super Six Pack, my top six teams across the NFL. Let's do it. Number one, they've been in the number one spot of Nell's Super Six Pack the entirety of the NFL season, even when they suffered their lone loss of the season in Miami. It's Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills, and here's why. They got the best offense in football. You're second in the league in points per game. They got the best point differential in football by far at plus 18. You're first in yards per game. Josh Allen, second in the league in touchdowns. Diggs, second in the league in touchdowns. And the thing about the Buffalo Bills, They do it on both 
sides of the football. This defense, spearheaded by Von Miller, is getting after people. They're second in the NFL in yards per game. They're tied for first to points per game allowed. I mean, this is a complete football team. The only issue I would have with the Buffalo Bills is maybe they need one more weapon. And according to Von Miller, our old buddy Odell Beckham Jr. might be in route to Buffalo. My number one team in L Super Six Pack is the Buffalo Bills. Number two, this team resides in the NFC East, and they've been in the second spot for two weeks in a row as well, the Philadelphia Eagles. And let me tell you why. My issue with Philly was could this team play from behind? Could they prove that? They showed it against Jacksonville and Amon soon. Jalen Hurts led that team to a victory. And by the way, Hurts playing at an MVP level. He's got this offense for Philly humming. They're fifth in the league in points per game. They're second in average scoring margin. They've got the fourth best rushing attack in football. They have an identity. I love it. Their team is built on balance. When you're fourth in the NFL in rushing yards, in seventh in passing yards per game, that is the telltale sign of big play ability and balance. They're sixth in third down conversion rate. A.J. Brown, fifth in the league in receiving yards. That offensive line, like they've been for the last few seasons, is just tremendous. Defensively, they're no slouch on that side of the ball either. Hassan Reddick, one of their big free agent signings this summer, fourth most sacks in the league through the first five weeks of football. They're fourth in yards per game allowed. They're seventh in points per game allowed. They're tenth in rushing yards allowed. And they're fifth in passing yards allowed. If that doesn't show you what a complete team is, then I don't know what does. And a little zing here at Ron Rivera, that's the biggest difference between Washington and Philadelphia's rebuild. Number three, my third team, Manel's Super Six Pack. I got to go down to Arrowhead, the Kansas City Chiefs. We saw it last night on Monday Night Football. And the thing I love about Patty Mahomes and company, they love to ball big in prime time. This offense is lethal. You saw it last night. No lead is safe when you're taking on Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs. Four touchdown passes last night for Patrick Mahomes. All four of those bad boys going to the best tight end in the history of the damn sport, Travis Kelsey. Shout out Travis Kelsey, by the way. Just a tremendous human being. Seems like he's always doing things the right way. And guys just can't guard him. Offensively, this team, despite not having Tyreek Hill, has not skipped a beat. Patrick Mahomes leads the NFL in touchdown passes. They've got, they're doing it on both sides of the football as well. They've got requisite weapons for Patrick Mahomes to distribute the football to. And then defensively, complimentary football. That's what Linnell loves. That's how you make it in the Super Six Pack. You got to be good on both sides of the football. They've got the third best run defense in the sport. Now that's interesting because normally when we're talking about the Kansas City Chiefs, we're talking about their inability to stop people. And they're going to have to count on Patrick Mahomes and that offense outscoring folks. They've got weapons, but it really doesn't matter to me defensively what they do. As long as they have 15 and 87 on the field, they have a chance to win it all. We got a breaking news alert here because guess why? There's a team this week making their debut in Nell's Super Six Pack. It's Cooper Rush and the Dallas Cowboys, ladies and gentlemen. That team is legit. Michael Parsons, the defensive player of the year front runner right now. He leads the NFL in sacks. Defensively, they're doing it on all three levels. They're seventh in yards allowed per game. And Cooper Rush, Cooper Rush is a big part of why this team is on a four-game winning streak. He's keeping them afloat offensively. They finally found their identity, and I hope that they stick with it. When Dak comes back, the style should not change for Kellen Moore and company. You need to run the football 
play good defense and be very opportunistic and strategic when trying to take your shot plays down the field. If I'm them, based on what they already have offensively with their weaponry, I feel like they're another team that is one offensive piece away from being a juggernaut. Odell, I think he should go down to the show me state. If Odell Beckham goes to the Dallas Cowboys and Dak Prescott gets hot and comes back and plays the football, we know he can play. Expect the Dallas Cowboys to have a permanent home in Nell's Super Six Pack. My fifth team in Nell's Super Six Pack, my fifth best team in the National Football League, Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Yes. Yes, I know that they're 3-2. and two. I know that it was ugly last week, but guess what? They have some excuses. And they have real excuses, unlike the ones we use here in Washington. That Tampa Bay offensive line is completely remade on the interior. They've got multiple injuries at the wide receiver spot. They got a defensive backfield that's getting banged up each and every week. Rob Gronkowski not being there. Look, it's created some problems for Tom Brady, but I think he's going to be able to overcome it. Julio Jones should be coming back here in the near future. They've got weapons. It's just all about whether or not they can figure it out on the offensive side of the football. But the main reason, the main reason that they've been a mainstay and no super six-pack, they're sixth in the NFL in yards per game allowed. Once they figure it out offensively, look out. My sixth and final team in Nell's Super Six Pack resides in Hollywood, L.A. Now, which L.A., you might be asking? Well, the L.A. that's done a much better job overcoming their injury situation than the other one has. The L.A. Chargers, the one led by Baby Jesus, talking about Justin Herbert. The Chargers offense, as we know, has suffered several significant injuries to key players. The left tackle, Rayshon Slater, was just put on IR with torn biceps. So they've turned to Jamari Salier at the spot. They got a rookie in there playing at left tackle with six-round pick. They haven't skipped a beat. They went out and scored 30 points against that vaunted Cleveland Browns defense. Newsflash, commanders, it can be done. Offensive line injuries should not kill a team if it's well-built. That's enough on them, though. We all know what they're doing at the edge rusher spot. Khalil Mack has come in and really provided an impact for that football team. They're also missing Joey Bosa, though. So he's missing his better half. They got second-year pro Chris Rumpf, the kid from Penn State, coming in trying to rush the passer. Kyle Van Noy has been signed via free agency to try to rush the passer. And Keenan Allen has been dealing with a hamstring injury since week one. He's He's missed four straight football games, and they're still getting it done. The good sign... A sign of a good team, excuse me, is a team who's able to overcome adversity. And right now, that group is the L.A. Chargers. And that's going to round out my super six-pack when we come back. When we come back, big question for you all. Team 980 lesser lines wide open. Pay very, very, very close attention. 301-230-0980. Twitter and Instagram, you know you can reach me there as well. N-E-L-L underscore BTP. I have a question for you all. The fans out there of Burgundy and Gold Nation, I got a question for you. As we sit here five weeks into the season, about to play week six this Thursday night in primetime, since we've been talking about the quarterback position all day long based on what Riverboat said, are you still confident in Carson Wentz as the quarterback of this football team? I'll tell you what I think next. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. 
Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.